Hello everyone and welcome once again to Motos and Friends, the weekly podcast brought to you by the editorial team at Ultimate Motorcycling. My name is Arthur Coldwells. This week's two show segments highlight two remarkable engines. There's much more to a vehicle than just the engine, of course, but for motorcycles, the motor is, of course, the heart of the machine. The first of the two engines is explained by editor Don Williams, who tells us about a brand new power plant from Suzuki that's just been announced at this week's EICMA show in Milan. The second engine is the Indian Chief motor inside an ex-Max Bubeck Indian 101 Scout from 1928 that's entered in next year's Cannonball Run. Both of these engines hold some surprises. The Suzuki motor is an upper-middleweight parallel twin set to power several exciting new models from the Big S brand. The Indian Chief's motor story, however, is told by new owner and vintage bike enthusiast Mark Lease. He tells us all about not just this bike, but its late owner, land speed record holder and Hall of Famer, the legendary Max Bubeck. Bubeck held land speed records for several decades, and he is considered one of the most important figures in Indian motorcycle history. Mark has drafted in the Sturgis Hall of Fame builder, Micah McCloskey, to ride the new bike in the Cannonball. This is no easy feat for either the rider or the support crew. Mark explained the superhuman effort it takes to finish, let alone win, a Cannonball run. So from all of us here at Ultimate Motorcycling, we hope you enjoy this episode. Suzuki has a new parallel twin engine that they're going to be using in the uh, V-Strom 800DE and the new GSX, boy, they make it hard, GSX-8S sport bike. And uh, it's, it's pretty interesting, you know, uh, when we got the information about the, the new engine, I thought naturally it was going to replace the uh, V-Twin 650 that they use in the V-Strom 650 and the SV650. <clears throat> you know, they didn't mention anything about it in the press release, like, no, this is not replacing. They just said, you know, didn't mention it. And usually when something's deleted, they, they don't mention that it's being deleted. They just kind of act like it never happened. <laughs> right. So this time uh, they didn't mention it, but then uh, after we had written about it, they said, hey, no, 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 no. The uh, SV650 and the V-Strom 650 are still viable motorcycles in 2023, which I think is good news because the more the merrier. But uh, what I wanted to do is talk about the new, it's a 776, not an 800, a 776 uh, parallel twin that Suzuki has for the, the new adventure bike and the new sport bike. Uh, the basic architecture is something we're completely familiar with. It's a parallel twin, uh, double overhead cam, four valves per cylinder. Those are all the normal things that you would expect. You'd kind of be surprised if it didn't have all those things. For sure. Uh, it also has the 270 degree crankshaft timing to give it that V-twin throb. And I was thinking about that when I was, you know, going over the information. And I've noticed in experiences that that 270 crank, it, it plays out differently in different motors. On some motors, you really feel it and you go, oh yeah, uh, like the Triumph Bonneville really has that rumbly feel. But other bikes like say the Yamaha MT-07 doesn't, doesn't <clears throat> have that feeling that same kind of V-twin feeling. So it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out when we actually get the bike to ride. And uh, 
The other part of that little piece of the puzzle of the 270 degree crank is that it has a brand new counterbalancer setup that has uh, never been used. And uh, how it works is the, there's the two counterbalancers are set 90 degrees apart on the crankshaft and they're both equidistant from the center of the crankshaft. So the center of the crankshaft to the center of the counterbalancer is the same on both of them and they're exactly 90 degrees apart. And at the same time, there's one counterbalancer per cylinder. So one of the counterbalancers works on one cylinder while the other counterbalancer works on you know, the second cylinder. So that's, again, this is one of those things where you, you look at it, you say, okay, they're equidistant, that's interesting. One counterbalancer per cylinder, that's interesting. How is that gonna, how is that gonna feel? And uh, that's why we get, you know, we don't, we don't prejudge anything. We like, look at that, think about it. And then we can't wait to, can't wait to ride to uh, see what, you know, what the result of that plan is gonna be. So Suzuki, you know, it's a patented design. It's a brand new design. And uh, it's gonna be, it's, I, I'm just fascinated at what it's going to do for the power delivery and, and how the feel of the motor is, especially with the 270 degree crank. You know, when you have the, the regular, you know, equal firing, you know, the bike is just kind of smoother and which normally people would think, well, smoother is good. It's like, well, not really, or not necessarily. A lot of times you want to have that, that feel. Essentially, they've got a parallel twin to act like a V-twin. Right. And which of course is, is very desirable. From what I've understand from the pictures that I've seen, normally, you know, counterbalances are put, you know, sort of in front of the engine and, and behind the, the, the crankshaft, but that is going to add a little bit of length to the engine. So the second counterbalancer is at 90 degrees underneath the crankshaft. And the clever thing about that, it makes the engine shorter. So they can therefore make front a to back. More, they can make, yeah, from front to back. So they can make a, a more compact engine or a more, a more compact engine allows for a more compact chassis. So I think it's a very, it's a very simple, simple, but clever idea. I'm sort of amazed nobody's thought of that before. It, it, it's very smart. Well, I mean, really looking at it, you're trading, you know, front to back distance for top to bottom difference. So, you know, someone else might have not have decided that was a good way to go, you know, and so that's why, that's why it's great. Everybody's got their own ideas and then we get to see which idea works for us and will work for, for the users. And the next thing that was interesting about it is that it's, it's over square as you'd expect, but it's not dramatically over square. Uh, the bore is 84 millimeters and the stroke is 70. Uh, you know, we've seen some pretty, pretty short stroke, you know, engines recently. And this one's not one. And that makes sense because Again, it's a twin, it's designed for adventure, and it's also designed for a sport bike, at least initially. But Suzuki has talked about how they want to use it in different bikes. And in my head, I was thinking, well, you could, maybe we'll be seeing a Kawasaki Vulcan 650 type of bike where, you know, they make it into a cruiser. You know, it'll be a Suzuki Boulevard 8. <laughs> and that's certainly not a bad idea that that Kawasaki Vulcan S is actually a, a fun bike to ride. It's, it's unusual, but it, it works. And if for the right person, it's, it's cool. Right. 
basically the interior, the whole engine's new. It's probably worth mentioning. Not, I think everyone understood that. You know, everything is new. I mean, they didn't like modify something, you know, that was existing. So, you know, the, the cranks, the connecting rods, the pistons, everything is completely brand new. And another important part of that system is that it's a ride by wire. So they'll be able to tune the bike for whatever different uses they have. I would expect that the performance of the of this new motor is going to be, you know, considerably different in the 8S sport bike than in the you know, V-Strom 850BE. And it is funny that they're calling the adventure bike a V-Strom still, even though it doesn't have a V. That's true. Yeah. People on Facebook were, were joking that it should be called the P-Strom. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you mistype it as p-storm <laughs> that's really bad right. well that's obviously why they didn't do that <laughs> yeah, I just, and it is you know i, I it, it's an easy typo to make and of course it's fuel injected and uh suzuki's always been good with their fuel injection i think that's one of the best features in their motors that there's their fuel injection is always really smooth not notchy yeah the injectors themselves are 10 holes and 49 pounds per square inch pressure, which I will admit that I don't know what a normal pressure is on that, but uh, Suzuki describes it as a high pressure feed. So uh, that's that's the way they're doing that. Uh, another trick that's involved in the bike and one that you know, we've seen on other bikes, but it's always you know an interesting part of the engine that you would say, oh, okay, is that the air box or the air filter has different intake pipe lengths. So you have you know, air coming in at different speeds and different ways before it goes into the throttle bodies. So, and uh, in this case, in the two bikes that are coming out, it's designed to go under the seat. So uh, there's not any kind of oddball placing to that. Right. But it's actually kind of a long, flat, almost like a, a, a warped pizza box looking thing. <laughs> there's so much that goes into that sort of design that really is fascinating you, you could just talk to the guy who designed the air box and the intake pipes for a long time about how how it works of course it's water cold which uh if i didn't mention that but that's something i think that we would would know it was just going to be that way it has a a fan so if you're stuck in traffic or on a, a sport bike or if you're going you know in the summertime or if you're riding on low speed trails on the adventure bike fan will kick on keep the whole system cooled off and so that's good. Uh, the exhaust system is a two into one. So uh, the catalytic converter is in uh, the header pipe. So if you want to get rid of the catalytic converter, because you're going to be racing it off road, <laughs> let's say you went to make the, the uh, 8S into a, a track bike, you'd have to replace the whole system. You can't just replace the muffler and get rid of the cap. But, uh, you know, unless you're racing the bike, that's not really a, an issue. But it also, that putting it up in the front there keeps the heat away from like the middle of your leg or or the passenger if it's in the muffler. So that's that's not bad. Another really kind of exciting that they they put this into it is the six speed transmission has a quick shifter and you know that's just like built into the system. Okay. So you know on a bike like that, eight hundred twin, you know, you don't necessarily expect that you're going to get a quick shifter. No. You know, and, and so that's a little bit step up from, from what we're used to seeing. And uh, it uses the uh, engine control module, the ECM, to make this, the shifts go smoothly. You know, it, it all, they all work together. It's not a matter of, uh, you know, it's, it's not a, a clunky mechanical only system. There's, there's a lot more to it than that. 
to uh, make sure that it all works. And that's part of the ride by wire feature. So they, they had the ride by wire feature. So they're saying, okay, let's make the most of it and give people a quick shifter because that's one of those one of those features that I will admit to being a little bit slow on the uptake of appreciating how cool it is. <laughs> but once you get used to it, you're kind of like when you get on a bike that doesn't have it, you're like, whoa, wait a minute. What's this? I was just moved my foot and it didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, you kind of get that expectation and it works great. And, and, and we're starting to see it filter down. Obviously it works better on multi-cylinder engines. The more cylinders, the better. I think that it makes it that, that shift smoother. So it's got a, a fairly sophisticated quick shifter system. And, and that's, that's great. And that means you'll have less to do with the clutch, but the clutch is, is, you know, the kind of modern clutch, again, that what we've come to expect. And it's nice that when you get what you expect, and that means it's got the uh, assist cam. So it uses the torque of the engine to help press the strings when you pull on the lever. And that makes for a lighter touch. And when you're riding around town, or again, on, this, on the sport bike or riding around on an off-road or on dirt road, and you need to slip the clutch some, it's nice to have that light, light feel. And on the other end of the spectrum, they have the slipper cam so that if you are downshifting hard into a corner, too hard into a corner, uh, it'll help stop wheel hop. Again, you know, that's always in how that's implemented or if it's a problem. I would certainly on the V-Strom, that probably is going to, the slipper clutch cam is going to get very little use. But on the 8S, well, we'll see. You know, it's, it's hard. It's, you know, it might be a thing where you do it. Um, again, when you have a twin or a single, to me, that slipper clutch can really have a big difference make a big difference so they've got those those systems you know that that we want to see in in a motor also it has the and this is kind of outside of it but it's part of the electronics that go into the ride by wire it has that start assist where if you're coming away from a stop and you're you know you put in first and you let out the clutch and you haven't given it enough gas instead of the bike stalling it'll just say oh we'll just give you a little bit more gas right then that will bring you along you know it'll keep the bike going and i've you know, I've tested that by just not giving it gas and just letting out the clutch and it just revs up a bit and goes away. Yeah. But again, you think, well, that's only for beginners, but even, even the most experienced riders sometimes are distracted, aren't quite paying a complete exact attention to the engine speed and can under, you know, let the clutch out a little bit too soon and stall the bike. And I, I haven't done it in a while, but I'll say probably once a year. <laughs> <I'll>, <laughs> But part of it is because, of course, we ride so many different bikes. So the experience on different bikes and what you need to rev it to and, you know, is a little bit different. But anyway, it's got it's got that feature. And because it has, you know, the ride by wire, it's 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 prepared for all sorts of things with different power modes and, uh, you know, engine compression, braking adjustments and things like that. So so the motor, uh, although it's a, a simple design that we're used to seeing. In that it's a double overcamp twin with eight valves, it's it's now it's moving into the modern era. You, you have to remember that the the V twin that was uh, designed for the V Strom 650 and the SV 650 was designed in the 1900s. You know? uh -huh. <laughs> that was that was a long time ago, and so <laughs> right. so this is a, a a 21st century motor. And as always, I'm looking forward to seeing what sort of other uses they come up with. I mean, you have, you know, you have a sport bike. Oh, uh, we have the sport bike and the adventure bike. And I mentioned the possibility of maybe some kind of cruiser 
you know, a new boulevard. But the other idea that I had was that they may come out with a competitor for the Yamaha uh, R7, you know, a, a kind of super sport light bike, you know, it'd be the twin cylinder and it would have, you know, not, not quite clip-ons where they're really low, but, you know, a little tiny rise or maybe flat on the top of the triple clamp. Right. So it's a little bit more comfortable and, you know, which would make a great track day bike or a more sensible sport bike for the street. And so maybe we'll be seeing that in the future, which I certainly wouldn't argue with if they did, or they could make a, a, a pure sport tour like the uh, GSX S, S1000 GT. You know, you could have an S8 GT. And so there's kind of the idea of this motor, you know, Suzuki talks about it was the unlimited potential for different applications of the motor. And uh, the design of the exterior of the motor is such that it makes it easy to mount into a frame. So if you want to design frames around that motor, it's not as complicated as it might be on a motor like a V-twin. You know, that's why they've abandoned that, that platform. We're not abandoned it, but they've abandoned it. You know, that's going to be left in the past. Eventually, the SV650 and the V-Strom650 will fall by the wayside. But Suzuki is trying to soften the blow to the, the V-twin faithful much in the way that that Harley Davidson is modifying the Sportster line by getting rid of the air-cooled bikes, not overnight, but getting rid of most of them. There's only a couple left, and probably next year, two years from now, they'll be gone. Right. But they didn't just chop people off. They kind of gave you a chance. Like, you want one? Well, here's, you know, it's time to get late. And then you can have one and keep it for as long as, as you like. At least you got the, the most modern version before it disappeared. Where do you see this 800 fitting in in the market? It seems like the 800cc space is getting pretty crowded now. I mean, there are, there are lots of these kind of parallel twin middleweights out there. Do you see the Suzuki as being a little bit, a little bit of a niche within a niche somewhere? I wouldn't compare this motor and applications will have to like European bikes because it's gonna be priced and kind of aimed against its Japanese competitors. That's just kind of the nature. And the most obvious one is the Suzuki SV650. You used to have to go up against the Kawasaki Z650 and the Yamaha MT-07. Now it had the dis disadvantage against the MT-07. It was smaller displacement. The MT-07 was the king of that class because it had the most power because it was the biggest engine. You know, the Suzuki was good and torquey, but it still did not have the beans, did not have the power of the, the MT-07. So now they're kind of upping that ante and saying, oh, well, look at here. We have a 776. Yamaha, best of luck when it comes time to twist the throttle. I'm sure it leaves the people at Kawasaki going, hmm, where are the last 650 left? I mean, Honda still hasn't entered that 650 market. They have the CB. 650R, but that's an inline four. So that's kind of working a totally different part of the, the spectrum. Right. You know, and it's a more expensive motorcycle. It's just a different bike. Right. But you have these kind of these twin cylinder, you know, very affordable, uh, novice, not necessarily beginner, but novice rider friendly bike. So uh, yeah, Yamaha's got to be like going, hmm, they, they went up to us here. What are we going to do? Uh, Kawasaki's thinking they really we're we're like left left behind here and so it'll be interesting to see what happens with the you know the Versa 650 and the Z650 and the Ninja 650 if those 
end up being 750 soon. You know how that always creeps. Yeah, for sure. 350s became 400s, you know, and <laughs> 500s became 550s and then 600s. And, you know, 750s eventually became 1000s. And so there's always that kind of incremental top and all the 300s are gone and they're 400s. Yeah, this seems like a nice, seems like a nice bridge between, you know, like you say, the sort of the 650s and, and the sort of the, the really pretty powerful 900s. So I think that certainly the street bike version um, is, is going to find a nice niche sort of in the middle of the market. And uh, Suzuki's fit and finish is always excellent. So I don't know. I, th I think it's quite, a, quite an interesting move by them. I think it's a good one. Oh, for sure. In, in the adventure bike world, you know, which is a little bit less crowded because Honda doesn't have a bike, an adventure bike in that category. Uh, Yamaha, of course, has the Tenere 700, which is a huge success. Right. And I would say that the new V-Strom 800DE is aimed directly at that bike. The Suzuki has, like the Yamaha, a 21-inch front wheel, which says, hey, we're ready to go dirt bike riding because you, ha you have, if nothing else, access to all sorts of tires once you, you throw a 21 on the front. And then again, they're going to have now the dis displacement advantage over the Yamaha. Right. Obviously, that will be a fun comparison to do to see how those two bikes will, will line up against each other. Now, you might say, well, what about Kawasaki? You're not mentioning them. Well, the Versus 650 is a street bike. It has 17-inch wheels front and back, street tires. It's, it's, not, it's an adventure-style bike, but it's, it's not a bike. You can ride, well, I mean, you can ride on a dirt road. You can ride any bike on a dirt road. And, I mean, I've had the Versus 650. I've gone down dirt roads at 55 miles an hour, but I could probably do that on the Z650 if I wanted to. So, you know, it's, it's just not a dirt bike. So the Suzuki and Yamaha are definitely facing off for like the off-road supremacy, uh, you know, in that, that lightweight uh, adventure bike class. Whereas I think that may be why they are keeping the, the 650 V-Strom 650, because that leaves, that's going to be like the street version because it has either, you know, this, maybe even the next year, we'll see something with a 17 inch front, front wheel. So that bike, they say that, you know, that's our street one, you know, and I mean, on one hand, I'm, I'm happy to see the V-Strom 650 continue because that's that's a much loved bike and it's it's an incredibly versatile and easy to ride bike yeah people who've been riding forever that love to go you know zoom around they love that bike people who are new to the class and new, new to that size bike oh this bike is so easy to ride and even for me if i were riding across the country and somebody offered me the v-strom 1050 or the suzuki 650 if i was going solo and i wasn't packing it down with you know camping equipment or anything i was riding light you know just like side cases i would take the 650 it's just smoother and just easier to ride and it, it'll go it'll cruise at 100 miles an hour and i don't need to cruise at 100 miles an hour because eventually i'll end up in some little jail in some little uh -huh. backwoods country and those oh what were you doing here mister <laughs> you know, so, yeah so I, I don't want to have that happen and i want that encouragement which obviously comes with a bigger engine you're just kind of naturally going to do that so anyway uh there's a lot of potential in this bike and even though it seems like it's a simple motor and it is it has this, you know these tricks up its sleeve with the ride by wire and the the new counterbalancer system and the 270 degree crank i just I'm, I'm really anxious to find out how, the, how this bike is going to work because there's a, a lot to think about. 
Yeah, it's going to have plenty of low down torque with that 270 degree crank and it's going to it's going to feel really nice and it's going to be smooth as butter with with those two balancer shafts maybe so uh, i'm going to be interested to see how it compares horsepower wise and and what have you but i would imagine it's going to be respectable i would think right i mean it's not like suzuki doesn't know how to make power on their bikes so no of course you know if they have it if it's a 775 if it's not gonna you know they may not try to make it a horsepower king but if they don't and they go for torque it's gonna have a lot of torque yeah and as we know torque in the in the real world of riding is king yeah. and horsepower is maybe what you need on the track but it's not what you're usually going to be using on the street yeah so it's it's uh it's great and i have you know two bikes that i'm very excited to ride now on my little calendar of bikes to go you know to get on then also getting to compare the mt07 to the this new uh 8s and the v-strom 800de to the yamaha tenere 700 i mean those are those are like just ripe for comparison and, and that's that's always exciting with my work you know and as as you know from the, the comparisons we've done in the past it's it's never about you know this bike's better than that bike because no that only that's only for you you know and and it's it'll be interesting to see who each of those bikes ends up being for like why would you prefer one bike over the other and in, in discovering that yeah. part of it sure and so that's 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 one of the most fun parts of my job is 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 not figuring out which bike is easy, best for me that's that's easy well i like this one what big deal you know who cares what i like finding out who it's for is a real fascinating interesting and, and engaging activity that I, I i really one of the best parts of my job yeah and as people say my job i have the best job in the world so uh, <laughs> it's the best part of the best job you, you cannot beat that <laughs> all right hey thanks a lot i appreciate you coming through on this podcast oh no problem This Indian Chief's motor story is told by new owner and vintage bike enthusiast, Mark Lease. He tells us all about not just this bike, but its late owner, land speed record holder and Hall of Famer, the legendary Max Bubeck. Bubeck held land speed records for several decades, and he is considered one of the most important figures in Indian motorcycle history. Mark has drafted in the Sturgis Hall of Fame builder, Micah McCloskey, to ride the new bike in the Cannonball. This is no easy feat for either the rider or the support crew. Mark explains all that the project entails and the superhuman effort it takes to finish, let alone win, a Cannonball run. That bike uh, was... Uh, ridden by Max for many years. Uh, he had a couple. He had a 1930-101, and that was his first race bike he ever worked on. And that was it when he was at the age of uh, 15. He started racing when he was 15 years old. Right. And uh, then he moved into the four and then of Indian four, and he raced that and won uh, several awards with that. He actually raced that in the dirt as well, which was crazy. And then obviously, <laughs> we all know about the the shout that he, the chow that he uh, created with uh, two other people and, and uh, did a wonderful, wonderful thing with that by, you know, taking the land speed record. And he held that from 1947 to, I want to say 2002, you know, decades that he held that record for yeah. an inspirated uh, 88 yeah. inch Indian, you know, it's pretty yeah. awesome. For those that don't know, I think I believe a Chout is a is a chieftain motor 
shoehorned into us into a smaller scout frame yeah um, yeah you would take uh they would take a a 101 frame which was a beautiful frame to start with very well balanced uh probably one of the better frames ever made by indian motorcycle and they would take that frame and they would um mess around with it a little bit stretch it out just ever so slightly that way you could get the uh, chief motor in there. You could get the uh, the larger engine in there, the 80 cubic inch. So you're dealing with a scout frame, which is obviously much lighter. And then you're putting an 80 cubic inch motor into that. You know, Max did a lot of work on that motor uh, along with uh, his mechanics to get it to the speed that they were running at. You know, they were using dual linker carbs running ethanol, I think it was, or methane, I think it was. It was some crazy fuel mixture that they had. <laughs> and they were just messing around you know and that's one thing that's amazing about this bike as you can see even even with this uh 28 101 you could see where max was constantly trying to get as much as he possibly could out of the motor so this 101 uh 1928 again it has uh aluminum heads on it which were not normal and the aluminum wow. heads are coming from a 34 sport scout so a little bit later model. He then took the intake manifold uh, that would be about a, an inch and he increased it to an inch and three quarters for the uh, a larger um, M30, um, M344 linker carb for more power. So he did that, increased the uh, valves. He, uh, I mean, he just all sorts of things on it. He preferred the 1927 gearbox over the 28 because it, for him it shifted better. So he went ahead and put that on the bike, changed that out and, and fixed that, uh, put on a, a, a new oil pump. And these bikes were all oil loss, which was literally like the, the bike would spit out oil as you rode it. And all one-on-ones were like that. That's why when you, for instance, if you ever see me parked on the side of the road or at any of our favorite restaurants in town, you'll see you know, a pool of oil under the bike after I stop. And that was absolutely the normal situation in those days, you know, right. 30s. And people will walk up to me and complain about it. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I've just tried to explain it so many times. I just gave up after years ago. <laughs> and I just say, you know, it, it's supposed to be like that. Trust me. Uh, but Max went ahead and put a dry sump on it. And so it's recirculating oil, and uh, which is pretty amazing uh, that they were able wow. to do that. You know, it so was, he, must have, he must have done that in the mid-40s, I should think. Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah. A long time ago, he worked on it. And uh, he rode this bike uh, across country several times. He did the Cannonball Baker run on it uh, several times. Uh, and the bike, you know, this bike is almost 100 years old and it will uh, comfortably cruise at 80, 85 miles per hour comfortably. So he's got it geared in such a way that it allows wow. me to do that, where I may be racing one on ones and things of that nature. My gearing is different, but I can take this particular bike on the freeway and and I have a comfortable ride with it and know that it's it's put together well and, and uh, the engines, uh, because it's recirculating the oil, I don't have to worry about losing oil. I don't have to worry about running out of oil, you know, which is good. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, it's great. It's a great machine. It, we're very, very excited to keep it in SoCal because that's, as you know, uh, that's Max's hometown, all the awards he got. Sure. Uh, you know, he's been he's been inducted into, I don't know how many Hall of Fames, you know, AMA, obviously, and I think there's six others that he's been uh inducted into over the years and uh you know just a character absolute character I, I got the chance to meet him years ago and ride with him uh down in uh around Ocotillo Springs here in the desert McBorrego Springs and I was on a 45 a 45 cubic inch Harley a WL you know not, not a big motor but a reasonable motor and it had what, what year was that 
1948 is the bike I was on. So it's obviously more modern, you know, for in comparison to what modern is from a 1929 to a 48. And right. uh, so I'm cruising as aluminum heads and I'm feeling pretty cocky about myself going down the road on this open highway. And, you know, in my rear view mirror, I'm looking, I'm like, somebody coming up behind me. I'm like, who the fuck is, what is that coming up behind me? <laughs> and I, you know, I'm, I'm tucked down, I'm going. And sure enough, here comes, uh, here comes Max Bubeck. Uh, passes me on the left, you know, and he passes me like I'm like I'm standing still. But he had the audacity to look over his right shoulder and kind of smirk at me, you know, after he passed. <laughs> and he kept going. And at that time, you know, Max had a cane. So he had a cane tied to the side of this 101, the one that we purchased, uh, tied to it. And the cane's shaking. The bike is, but the bike is solid. He's solid, but the cane's bouncing around. <laughs> I mean, like I was standing still. And uh, what, what, what speed were you doing? Oh, I was doing like 70, 75. He must have been going about 90, 95. I mean, he never, ever let anybody pass him. Very competitive to the end of his days. He uh, was a very competitive bike uh, biker and racer. And and you could see it just by there. I mean, he he had tuned this particular motor uh, for 30 to 40 years. He knew it inside and out and knew how it ran and knew every, every component on that bike and trusted his machine. Because, you know, these old machines that you ride, you have to... Um, you gotta be careful. Like in modern bikes, you, you go for a tune up and you know, and you get your oil changed on these old bikes for every hour that you ride one, you're, you're, you're repairing them for 10 hours. You're, you're looking at the metal or <laughs> looking at everything. And right. so you gotta, be very, you, gotta, you gotta be very careful. And, uh, you know, that's why we have mechanics and everything else, you know, especially for these older machines and, and Max was no exception. You know, he would engineer it, but he would have mechanics that would help him. I mean, he worked with legends like Sam Pierce, uh, other bikers like Ed Kretz. I mean, these guys were legends, uh, you know, and now I work with uh, uh, Micah McClowski, who's a legend in his own right, uh, who's, right. who manages all my bikes and does everything. And and so Micah will be taking this uh, 101, taking Max's 101, and we will be running it in uh, the, the Cannonball. We'll be taking it to the Cannonball, which is kind of awesome because the bike is, is geared for that. And Micah is the perfect rider for it and the perfect engineer mechanic for the bike as well he has a lot of knowledge on it so pretty cool so mike so mike is going to be riding it not you not me no not me it'll be micah it's a bucket list for micah and and you know and i i would want nobody else on that bike other than micah because he's earned it i mean the man uh, the man is a legend and, and he's done so much for for the community over the years he's a hall of famer for sturgis uh he's built some of the most beautiful machines he knows indians inside and out as well and so i really I'm 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 happy that he's going to be working on it and and writing it and then, you know, and I'll learn frankly to be, you know, I don't know how can I say this, you know, perfectly selfish. I'm going to be right there learning as well, right. you know, what he's doing to the machines, how he's working it, you know. Right. You know, Max had put 45 flywheels in this Indian to to make it stroked, and so we would get 50 cubic inches out of it from a 45. And, and we're going to keep it the same way. We're not going to mess with the engine other than making sure that it's safe to ride, but we're not going to put you know, different components into it, you know, anything like that. We're not going to, you know, redo the, the body on it. We're going to leave it alone in honor of Max. We're not going to touch it, you know, and, which I think That's is pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. So how, how about you ride one of your other bikes in the cannonball and maybe follow Micah? It's, it's, it's possible. I mean, I would love to, but, the Cannonball is so, you know, it's a legendary race now. I mean, Jason Sims has put on a wonderful race and and you basically, you have to have teams that are taking care of these machines overnight you know, while the rider sleeps, you know, and the rider gets up and then you're, you're right. you know, hopefully well, 
you fixed any problems that there are, you know. Like you say, for every hour of riding, you've got 10 hours of maintenance. So yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of guys overnight trying to keep that yeah. thing running. Yeah. So I think I think the cannonball next year, it's it's sort of up in the Pacific Northwest, isn't it? You know, Starting in Seattle and going through going to Chicago in the end. I think so. I think so. We haven't gotten the, the, the official uh, schedule yet on where it's going and, and where it lands. But I think Hopefully it's going so. through sort of, you know, Vancouver and Calgary, Winnipeg nice. and all yeah. of that. So no, that's going to be, be a gnarly freaking ride. Yeah, it'll that's be pretty crazy. Ride. Yeah. You know, and Micah is, uh, is, is ridden so many miles, I mean, millions of miles. I mean, literally the man is, knows it inside and out and, and he knows the Indian inside and out and, you know, the gearing and the, the throttle and everything. They're so different from most motorcycles that you'd be so careful with it. And so, um, yeah, Vancouver would be great. I mean, going that, that route will be fantastic. Uh, I've heard rumors that it's going to be starting in, uh, in the Southeast as well. Uh, so we're just kind of get it, trying to figure it out what the finalized uh, route is. And then you know, we'll, cool. we'll deal accordingly. So at, so at the very least, you'll be there to see it off anyway. Oh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be driving. Uh, I'll be one of the uh, mechanics, God help us. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be driving. So when I mentioned earlier that Micah sleeps, that the writer's probably not in this case. Micah will probably be wide awake and working on the machine overnight as well. We'll try to avoid that, though. Uh, but, That's uh, really, really cool. Yeah. So, you know, so this is basically the same bike that Max came past you on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How absolutely. crazy. That's cool. So little did you realize when you were doing that, you're like, one day I'm going to own that bike. Yeah, you just never know, man. I mean, I, I just the bike is so beautiful in its own right. And and it's it's uh, because of the heritage that the bike carries. You know, there's a lot of people that are not necessarily just Indian fans, but but fans of motorcycle racing and endurance racing and and Max was the king of that. I mean, he really is a legend in, in that world. Uh, it takes a lot to be inducted into the AMA. And, and you know, he was, he was he's in there now. And, uh, and he right. should be. The guy is, uh, he's incredible. It's funny, you know, he was man of few words uh, when you talk to him. When I would talk to him, he would be, uh, be kind of like Miles Davis, you know, in a jazz club playing a note for you. And then he'd right. walk away. You'd be like, oh, my God, that was Miles Davis. <laughs> and the same thing with Max with the motorcycling. He uh, was very, very well known. He liked, he liked to talk about racing a lot and uh, celebrate sure. successes, which is perfectly fine because, yeah. he, you know, the guy was incredible. And you now we lost him in 2011 uh, and back in April of 2011. And, uh, you know, it was sad. I mean, we would race with him all the time and ride with him all the time. And uh, but uh, it was certainly a loss. Uh, for the community, you know, for him, uh, for yeah, us. He was in his nineties. I mean, that is a long career. Yeah, he started long, when he was fifteen. Yeah, in ninety three. <laughs> when he was ninety three, and uh, yeah, and Lon is 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 a wonderful guy, great guy. And Lon uh, rode the bike for many years afterwards, and and then uh, you know, Lon and I have known each other through through the club, and and the bike had become available, uh, off market available, so they say, and, and right. you know, it's like, wow, you know, I'll, you know, if I, if the bike comes this way, you know, obviously I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do anything to it other than ride it and make sure it's rideable. And, and cause they, again, the heritage on the bike, you know, every, every ding and every dent on that bike, it happened for a reason. And there's sure. history, that, you know, so we just leave it alone and, uh, not, you know, just, there's other bikes we can do that too, but this bike has a lot of history to it. And I just, sure. You know, just keep it clean and, and keep it uh, safe to ride, and but uh, nothing else. You know, just leave it that way. And uh, yeah. I mean, it's got, it's got. I mean, it's funny enough. It's got parts 
uh, from Crocker that are on it. You know, it's got a Crocker dampener, wow. which, you know, I'm like, oh my God. I mean, you know, in some, in some worlds that, that, that piece is so hard to find. And there it is on Max's bike because he felt it was the right dampener for his, his, uh, his forks, you know? And, and so the bike has all sorts of different parts on it, you know, that, that, that maybe somebody that didn't realize that it was Max's bike would be like, what the hell is that doing there? Why would that be there? That doesn't make sense. But <laughs> because it's Max's bike and, you know, you're like, you know what, the dude knew what he was doing and knew, I mean, the guy went 135 miles an hour on a chow, you know, I mean, crazy and held that record for four decades. Uh, it's okay if he's got parts on it that maybe aren't Indian parts. I'll take that. It's right. Funny. Sure. <laughs> sure. As he, I mean, to extract, you know, 100 miles an hour out of a 1928 machine that is clearly not built for that. Has he, yeah. is there any sort of strengthening in the chassis or the frame? Well, there's got to be some extra gusseting. And yeah, they did a lot of work to it, uh, into the frame uh, to make sure that it was reinforced. You know, the, the, it was basically like you, you can equate it to what you see these days with, you know, uh, drag racers. And when you get on a bike and a drag racer gets on a bike and they're basically, you know, laying on top of an engine, you know, that's right. bigger than they are. And, you know, and they'll have the steel plate on their chest in case something goes wrong, you know. <laughs> back then all you had was a gas tank you know <laughs> you had a fuel tank yeah it was between you and the motor you know so it really wasn't you know the safest thing uh but they would uh yeah they did a lot of work to the motor they did a lot of um uh, things to not to this particular motor but to the motor that was in the child this this 28 101 was not the bike that did the uh that one that he he worked on that bike is uh in a museum i believe right now but this, right. this particular bike he has is a bike that uh he did for the endurance racing, you know, and it was at the end of his days, this was his favorite motorcycle because it brought him back to his childhood, you know, sure. and that's why he, and he never manipulated the bike in the sense of trying to clean it up. You know, every ding and every dent and every, everything on it is from Max, you know, from what he wrote it and how he beat up and he beat the hell out of that machine and it still <laughs> ran, you know, and, and so, you know, part of me is like, okay, we got to crack this case to see, you know, if these 45 flies are still in there and all that. And part of me is like, I just don't fucking touch it, man. Leave it alone. <laughs> right. We'll take the top end off and look, make sure that, you know, the, the cylinders aren't about, aren't about a crack or the, you know, make sure the rods are good on it and everything. But sure. again, we'll, we're going to leave it alone, you know, and and because it ran good for the last 45, 50 years with, with uh, Max. Right. Why would it change now, you know, as long as right. it's got going in it. So, so so it's basically a long stroke motor with big carbs on it by the sound of it yeah this one has got one carb this has got the single carb uh on it mm -hmm. it's got the uh, chief carb uh the m344 on it and it, it is a uh a powerful motor you know taking that you know we we had assumed that it was a 50 cubic inch but the amount of horsepower you're pulling out of it, it's close to 50 horse it, it is really really incredibly fast this 101 uh, I've been on several in my life, fortunately, and I've never ridden one that was faster than this. I took it out a couple of years ago uh, in Joshua Tree. Uh, Max's son, Lon, had let me uh, ride it back from, you know, deep inside the park. And uh, I fell in love with the bike at that point. I thought it was just an incredible machine, incredible ride, a comfortable, it wasn't struggling on the hills. I'm a heavier guy and the bike was comfortable with me on it. Right. And I'm like, God, imagine, you know, Max weighed 130 pounds soaking wet. So put him on that. And I can't even imagine how fast he would go right. on it. You know? Sure. Yeah. Good stuff. Sure. Good stuff. 
and it's got the uh, obviously got the foot operated clutch and, and so on but it's not a suicide clutch is it? it's not a spring clutch it is it is actually oh, it has a really <laughs> yeah. well that's, that's yeah that's got to be an adjustment uh, yeah you know i mean we we you know i'm always you know we we race on the sand we do sand drags on another 101 on uh janice graber's 101 and uh i've always been yelled at by the mechanics to put a uh, suicide on it because he gives you that extra you know that extra push on the sand and it's always been a problem for me for my feet to get adjusted to it and sure enough you know what i found out in josh retreat when i rode the bike that i had a suicide i'm like well i can fucking learn right now aren't we so i got <laughs> and and uh uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And I can understand the efficient uh, side of what? it, but it's also a crazy side, you know. Yeah. I've, I've never I've never ridden a bike with a suicide clutch. I mean, um, Dan, it, both of Daniel's, you know, Indians have just heel and toe clutch. Yeah, and the majority of my bikes are the same. All my Indians are heel toe and then uh, the Harleys are toe heel. But the suicide, it's basically... You learn how you learn where neutral is really really quick you know and you, <laughs> you're sure you know where it's at where, where the movement is on on the on the on the hand switch on your jockey on your uh, gear shift but uh, so it's just so it's basically a suicide is just a sort of a sprung clutch kind of like yeah. a, a car. Like yeah a and, car. The, and the and the spring is literally visible visible you know you can see it on the side of the um, over the um of the primary cover there it just sits there and it's hooked up into it heavy duty uh the spring has been there forever you know, max Obviously, because he was a racer, that's how he rode bikes. He rode with, with a suicide clutch, which is, you know, freaking awesome. You know, and I'm not about to change that. You know, I'm not going to put a till, uh, you know, a, a toe heel a clutch on it. There's just no way I would, I would, it would be <laughs> just to do that to that bike, you know. Right. Uh, and so I'll leave that alone. And, and uh, but yeah, it is, it is a little sketchy when you come to a stop sign and you got to make sure that you got everything in your mind lined up right. Like, okay. <laughs> got to make sure you got a real good purchase on that foot lever. I yeah, think. you, you got to know where it is at all times. That springs yeah. up, then you're. <laughs> oh yeah, no. If you lose, if you lose your foot on that on that clutch, man, you are. Oh boy, you're eating the back fender of another car or a bike or. Yeah. Very. I mean, that's a suicide clutch. Is what I call yeah. it. That. So. Hence the term. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, is. Absolutely. It is but crazy. I, but I guess that means that at speed, obviously the spring is holding that lever back. And really yeah. making sure those clutch plates just stay engaged. Yeah, absolutely correct. Yeah, and yeah. when you're at speed, when you're on a track, uh, you know, I have I have been sold on it now, man. I will be changing my other machines to be, uh, and I'm sure, really? I'm sure my mechanics that'll be listening to this podcast are going like this right now. They're clapping because <laughs> it, uh, finally, you know, you're going to be able to do it right, you know. And uh, interesting. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. It uh, taking a taking a, a play out of or lesson out of uh, Max's playbook with with. Uh, well, it's just it, it's just a small illustration of his level of competitiveness. Where he's oh, like, yeah. no question, no question. If it's going to give me a couple of a couple of extra miles an hour on the top end, that's what I'm doing. You know. Yeah, yeah. Even put the aluminum heads on. I mean, he had to do some. They had to really manipulate the heads to get them on properly onto the uh, onto the 101 cylinders. And and he did that because he felt he could get another maybe a half a horsepower, one horsepower out of it. And so he did it. And right. you know, it makes a difference. Everything adds up. You know. And uh, of course. Cool. you know and uh but yeah i really uh yeah I, I, you know taking it out a couple times and taking it to joshua tree at speed it's fine you know but in, in stop and go traffic you can really ruin your day if you're not careful with it so so we'll you know on the track it'll be fine it'll be you know <laughs> ruin your day as in it just is, is it just popping your clutch you know stalling the bike you know everything right. like, like these machines are very temperamental you know yeah 
and as you know, you have to keep your head on a swivel as, as a, you know, a, you know, a very experienced writer yourself, you, you know, that you're, you're, you're constantly uh, in danger <laughs> on a bike, no matter what the circumstances are, wherever you are, you're, 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 you know, without a doubt. Yeah. So obviously the frame is, is a hard tail. Frames of hard tail. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you've got you, the only springing you've got is on the seat. The only spring you got is on the seat. You have a, a the primitive leaf spring up front, but the only thing that does is, is, you know, make you really feel the road. <laughs> you don't really. <laughs> Mike, Mike is gonna, he's gonna have a hell of a ride. Oh yeah, I know. Mike is gonna, he's gonna be. Uh, yeah, Mike is gonna. Yeah, he's gonna have some fun with that, you know. But it's okay. We we can we can adjust the springs and and give him a little bit more throw on it and and put a different type of seat on for him to make it more comfortable. I guess you're going, you know, thousands of miles on these machines. Sure. You know, and uh, so you have to be very, very careful with, with how you operate them and, and then how, how comfortable you're, what's the endurance? You know, you want your rider to be right. as comfortable as possible. So his posture and everything is set up the way that they want it, you know, right. now, maybe, maybe it's not what the bike was originally meant for, but you make the adjustment. I, I know Max had adjusted the, uh, the handlebars on the bike for sure. He, he did some work on them so you could sit a little bit higher. And I know he did that because of his endurance days, you know, riding off road, he wanted a little bit more height and to see more. So you got the handlebars just a little, maybe about a half an inch to an inch higher than what they normally should be. But it's obvious oh. that he did that for his own, his own riding skills, his own style. Right. Right. So you're going to obviously adjust all the positioning for, for Micah just to. Oh yeah. At least help it to finish the oh, race, yeah. finish the without race. needing yeah. some serious chiropractic help. Oh my God. It's going to happen anyway. You know, knowing my case, probably going to ask for a chiropractor on the way, like somebody that's going to be driving behind us. <laughs> just kidding, Micah. Just kidding, buddy. <laughs> going to cut that out, aren't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's going to be a blast. Uh, you know, it's, uh, gosh, the, the, the bike itself, you know, it's got, it's had so much work done to it. You know, the aluminum heads we had mentioned, the, the dry sump we had mentioned, uh, the flywheels that were Harley flywheels to give it that 50 cubic inch stroke. Ignition, the same thing. Any extra coils or anything? No, no, no it's all magneto. Oh, it's all it's, magneto. A it's an old magneto. Yeah, it's a split dwarf magneto. And, you know, those uh, magnetos in general are just phenomenal. Uh, you know, I've, I've, right. if they're hot, they, they, there's nothing better. And if they're not working, you're you're dead dead in the water. You know, they're right. just, there's only a couple guys that I know uh, that can really, really work them as a cat up north. And then uh, the late Johnny Eagles was was wonderful uh, with Mags, but we lost him uh, last year, unfortunately. Uh, mm. Even he was an Indian guy and, and lived down over over in Orange County and was incredible. He was part of the SoCal AMCA club here and uh, was an incredible writer. Uh, but as we age, all of us age, you know, we're we're losing a lot of that talent, you know, that the, the expertise, oh. you know, and so. And, you know, so the younger generation, we're trying to learn as much as we possibly can to keep these bikes on the road and keep them roadworthy and safe uh, and, and keep, you know, the generations going, man, you know, keep, keep this, this sport yeah. alive, you know, and yeah. uh, it gets difficult, you know, it really does. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's it, really, it, it is serious fun. I mean, I know that, you know, Daniel and I on his two bikes, I always, I guess, cause I'm sort of old and lazy. I, I prefer the Chieftain. I mean, sure. the scout has the has the charisma for, for me, but but the yeah. chieftain is just it's just that I'm a, I'm a relatively tall guy and I'm a yeah. bit gangly, so 
the chieftain has that extra stretch of room. Whenever I ride the scout, I end up with a lower back ache. But, yeah, but yeah. the chieftain has just got that little bit extra. It's just, uh, and it's actually not a hard tail. It's got got the uh, you mm-hmm. know the, the springs on the back, and it's just that little bit, just that little bit easier riding machine for me personally. And I do like. I'm a bit a bit of a greedy power hog, so I like that yeah, that bigger awesome. motor. Yeah. But just the the whole you know concept of you know changing clutch and you know and and uh, hand gear shift is freaking awesome. I just yeah, love and it. You love it. And it keeps, yeah, and it keeps you focused, man. It keeps your head on the road, man. You're not picking up your cell phone and then calling work or something. You have you have no other choice but to vector in on everything that the bike is doing, you know, and what you're doing for the bike to make sure it's running properly. It's very important, you know. Every single thing. Yeah, they. Again, not, I mean, unsurprisingly, they handle very well. They do. Obviously, obviously, they're fairly stiff, I mean, because there's almost no suspension. Yeah. So they're pretty stiff. Mm-hmm. And the weight is is slung so low that you yeah. can sort of barrel round corners fairly happily. It's all about how much you trust the eight, the old tires. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much you trust the, uh, the, the 100-year-old tires and the, the 16-inch <laughs> tires, you know, like a balloons in some cases, you know. I mean, right. Daniel, Daniel's got some of the, he has the most beautiful, beautiful bike collection. Uh, it's just incredible. You know, I mean, he really does. Yeah. He really does. I mean, what a great guy too. Just an absolute gentleman. And, and uh, yeah. always so opening and welcoming to people that come up when he, when he opens up the, uh, you know, the museum, I call it the museum. I know it's right. not, but it is. I mean, you go up there and it's just insane because he rides all the bikes, you know, so it's a right. living museum. Yeah. Uh, some of yeah. the best race bikes I've ever seen. He's got the, you know, the Steve McQueen bike up there, which is, you know, Sure. Just scout. Yeah, oh. yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. He's got a broth up there as well. And and uh yeah. it, it just, you know, he's just he's great for the community and for motorcycling in general, you know, because he is so open with knowledge and everything, sure. you know, sure. which is really awesome. But uh yeah, sure. this uh this one on one, I mean, I'm all I'm all about Indian. I've I've ridden uh, several bikes, several different brands over the years, I've been fortunate enough to, and I always come back to Indian. I really do. I yeah. Well, you've got a couple of Harleys as well, haven't you? Yeah, I've got a couple of Harleys. I've got a couple. I've got a VL. I've got a uh, got the WL I was mentioning earlier. I've got a sixty-two. What year, is, what year is that? Uh, the VL is a thirty-two, nineteen thirty-two VL, I believe, or thirty-one. I think it's thirty-two. Okay, uh, that's being worked on right now by Micah. Micah's got that bike. He's taking care of some stuff on it, and uh, then okay. the sixty-two pan. Uh, that's a restored pan head uh, to take out occasionally. And then a, a shovel pan, 62 shovel pan, pan head shovel, pan shovel. Uh, that's right. a cool bike. That's a fun bike. A little loud, but it's okay. You know, if it's not, <laughs> not loud, I ride it, you know. Uh, <laughs> the guys at the local uh, club pub we go to, the rock store, they're always giving me a hard time on Sunday mornings because it's too loud. I got whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'll be gone in a few minutes. Yeah, here's an earplug, <laughs> man. Enjoy your day uh yeah but it, it's uh i got that bike i've got a couple i got a couple of the harleys that uh we're working on yeah. a, a 55 right now uh micah and i were taking care of that and uh yeah it's uh but my harley was with indian i love harley obviously but uh you know uh, i'm an indian guy you know but harley, really that's quite interesting that's what's yeah. the distinct what's the distinction for you uh i one thing indians it's just a I don't know, man. They've always been the underdog. Dog, it feels like to me. You know, always feels like they've been right. the dog. You know, with 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 dealing with the ownership of the company back in the '30s, '40s, and '50s. Any modern Indians, obviously, with Polaris uh, at the helm, uh, it's good for the man. It's good for the brand, but it's not the same thing. You know, for me no. uh, as a, a vintage rider, I, I 
you know, I appreciate that Indian came back and I appreciate that, that Polaris has taken it and, and ran with it and made the bike very competitive for the modern age. But uh, when I look back on what, you know, the Harley and Indian wars were, it's fascinating what we went through, you know, back in the 20s and 30s and 40s and, and what uh, Max went through and how he was competitive with Harleys, uh, you know, always. And like, you know, him and Ed Kretz would go out and, and Ed would actually ride uh, on Harleys as well as Indians. And, and they would be very, oh, really? very competitive amongst themselves. And uh, But at the end of the day, you know, you know, I, I always thought, of, again, I always thought of Indian as the underdog with it. And, and Harley was made a beautiful machine. I mean, they made a lot of really, I mean, they came out with a knucklehead and they came out with it. Oh my God, it was just a game changer for everybody. And Indian never really caught up with them with that side valve. You know, it just never really uh, got to where they wanted to. And, and unfortunately, you know, in 53, they, I think it was 53 is when they uh, they had to close shop and, and didn't come back until, really didn't come back until Polaris. There was a couple of attempts as we all know, but the Polaris really uh, made it happen for him. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, Polaris have done a great job, but like yeah. you said, it's really sort of chalk and cheese, really. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the yeah. four-cylinder Indian is really interesting. I mean, that's a really early... What's ha what happened to Max? Do we know what happened to Max Bubeck's four-cylinder? That's in a museum. That's in a museum. I believe AMA has that right now. They okay. Uh, but yeah, he would, you know, it was funny. They would argue like the Harley riders would come by and, and, you know, and they would tell uh, Max that his four sounded like a Volkswagen. <laughs> and so Max would come back and be like, well, you know, considering you guys are, are slow where you can get up next to a Volkswagen and hear what it sounds like, it makes sense. <laughs> you know, so they always, they'd always be coming back and forth at each other about about you know the, you know how competitive they were and then the one-liners they yeah. were throwing at each other you know they were extremely competitive back then and they still yeah. I mean obviously they still are I mean I shouldn't say back then but um, you know you know it's nothing like it was you know the Indian Harley Wars Harley has taken it and, and ran with it and sure you know, and their their marquee and their brand is very very strong and it's good it's really good that they are you know I appreciate yeah. Indian there as well though you know yeah. Have you ever wanted to own an, an Indian Four? I suppose that's a silly question, but oh yeah, I mean, of course, you know, uh, it, they are amazing machines, uh, and you know, they they do become available uh, occasionally. occasionally. Occasionally, they'll show up, but uh, they're you know, they're like unicorns, man. He just they're he just right. you know, they're kind of like a one hundred and one. There was more uh, fours that were created, I believe, than one hundred and ones. One hundred and ones were not a lot of them, right? And they were chopped up basically by guys like. Max, you know, they, they they would take these bikes and they because back carved them apart. Yeah, they carved them up go faster. Yeah, but back in the day, and the same thing happened with all a lot of them. The same thing happened with knuckleheads. And but anyway, yeah. you would they take these bikes that were now priceless. And back, you know, in the forties and fifties, they blowtorch these things, man, and tear them up and put them back together so they can race them. You, know? you would they, they sports scout front ends and, and slap them on to you know seven forty one in you know front ends into a sports scout into a one hundred one and drop a chief engine in there, put some Harley flies on there and, and, and race these things. No one was concerned about the fact that they would be worth, you know, six figures someday. That wasn't on their mind. Back then. <laughs> they, just to, they didn't want to win on Thursday night. They didn't care about the, you know, right, of course, you know, it, uh, but now it's, uh, yeah, now these bikes are crazy expensive. It's, it's just, yeah. it's, wow. And you got to be careful about what you get too. I mean, you, you, you go out to these auctions. I won't name any particular, auctions but you go to an auction you may think you have a, a legitimate bike uh and if you don't know what you're doing man you can really get burned you know with the right. same things that are out there that are that are not necessarily what they say they are uh yeah be very very careful you know uh but yeah anyway anyway yeah 
Yeah, very cool. So what are the so the, the preparations for the cannonball? Mm-hmm. Is is there anything sort of particularly special that has to be done? Or just... Well, I, I think uh, you know we'll have. Oh, you're gonna need you're gonna need like lots of spare tires and yeah yeah all that I stuff mean, bearings and you're gonna need yeah. a couple of spare bikes behind you. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be bringing. Uh, we have we have the, the we call it the Graber bike. We have the Graber 101 that we race. Okay, uh, that bike will come along. That's Tim Graber's bike. Tim Graber, yeah, Tim Graber, yeah, yeah. Tim Graber's machine, and he'll be, uh, you know, uh, we we. That's kind of a funny story. We had actually uh, the bike belonged to his wife Janice, uh, Janice Graber, and she had ridden it for many years and uh, right. had it in storage, and you know, and she had wanted to sell it, but didn't, and was kind of on the fence about it. And, and Tim came to me, he's like, "Hey, you know what, man? Let's let's just do this deal and get this taken care of." I'm like, "Does Janice know about this? Because I don't want the <laughs> issues, right?" I was like, yeah, I'll tell her. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, okay, I, d- I just don't want to have any problems here because I'm more scared of her than I am of you. <laughs> and, so, so I, and sure enough, you know, we, we do the deal I buy the bike, you know, and then I, I basically like tear it up because I discover uh, the race of gentlemen, you know, race that they do back, back East and they're actually right. coming to the Riverside. And I, I, you know, tear it up to turn it into this because I knew uh, Ernie Skelton had actually worked on the bike uh, as a mechanic and had stroked it to a 57 cubic inch back in the 60s. Uh, but Tim had turned it into like a, like a, a you know, a, a traditional 101, very, you know, very tame. But I, I did a commercial with that bike years ago. I'm like, this bike is pretty powerful. This isn't a 45 cubic inch. This thing's got a big motor. As soon as I bought the bike from him, you know, of course, what do I do? You know, I rip into it to see what it is. I'm like, oh my God, this is what I thought it was. It had the, the, the stroked out flies and everything else. Wow. And so I ended up converting it into a, into a, you know, a sand drag bike, into a flat track bike. And I had taken it to a particular ride that um, we do every year down in Borrego Springs. And I pull up on the bike and, and Janice Graber's there. And she's looking at it. She goes, God, it looks just like my bike. You know, I'm like, oh, great. Oh, no. I'm like, I don't know, Janice. I have no idea. And I kind of walk away. And then Tim walks up and, you know, out of nowhere. And Grant, uh, Janice is pointing at the bike. And I can hear just like a distant rumbling of noise. <laughs> I'm walking away. Like she had, I'm like, Graber, you never told her. What are you doing, dude? That's insane. You know, she's going to kill me, not you. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was fine, and she's happy that we have a bike. And and uh, yeah, she she's just wonderful people. The, the Graber family, great people. Yeah, he's a he's a really good guy. He's uh, I think he's still president of the Antique Motorcycle Club, isn't he? Yeah, yes, sir. He sure is. He's a president of the SoCal. We've done the event a couple of times in Death Valley each year, and yeah, he's yeah. a real character, really knowledgeable. Oh, he is a character. Yeah. Great guy. He helped in the acquisition of this bike, didn't he? Yes, sir. He sure did. He had the, the experience and the, the, the relationship with the owner, uh, Lon. And, right. uh, you know, Lon and I uh, have known each other for, for a long time and, 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 and Tim and everybody else. And I had told Tim that, you know, if the bike were to come this way, uh, that I wouldn't do anything like I did the Tim's bike, you know, changing it all up, messing around <laughs> with it, and turning it into something that, you know, it used to be, but wasn't currently. Uh, but I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, Arthur, it's it's tough because because Max's bike has got so many of the racing components on it. It's like I'm killing myself with these aluminum heads and this massive intake that's been customized. I'm like, but I can't touch it. I made my promise. We're gonna leave it alone. It's it, that that's a Max's bike. And but what we can do is copy it. We can go in and take a look at it and and, and do the same thing that Max did. 
and because oh, yeah. he got so much out of it. So we're going to try to do that with the Graber 101 and, and make some changes, maybe put those aluminum heads on, maybe make the adjustment with a fly. Uh, right now we're putting in um, uh, uh, Indian flywheels, uh, but it's only, it's not going to get as much horsepower as we want by doing that. We want those 45 flies to go in there from the Harleys, uh, but we'll, we'll work on that. We'll, we'll see what we can do. But uh, yeah, it, it is a, um, it's an incredible machine, the 101. Yeah, and, and Max's in particular is just out of this world, what he did to it, you know, it's pretty cool stuff. That's really, that's exciting. That is awesome. So the Cannibal Run, is that actually a competitive event? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're not, you're not talking about, natural, you know, like speed, like you're at a race or anything like that. It's, it's more about time trials, about getting to a certain place at a certain point in time. Uh, and not having the, the the comforts of modern GPS technology to get you from point A to point B, you're dealing with, you know, for all intents and purposes, a piece of paper. And you're not, you don't really get that information until about a half hour before the race starts. Uh, and you have to leave at a certain point. I mean, it's very, very, very critical, uh, all the components. Like when you leave in the morning, uh, you can't really, uh, you can't pull out your phone, you know, and, and <laughs> try to find out where you're going, <laughs> those kind of things, you know, but uh, a lot of the teams are very sophisticated about how to communicate with a rider on the road, things of that nature, uh, you know, but again, you can't, you can't, you know, tell your rider where to go, you can't talk to your rider, you can't, you know, you, you, they are on their own. So no headsets or, you know, Bluetooth communicators or anything? Not that I'm aware of, although I'll talk to Jason about that and see, but I don't think that's the case. So you put a guy in a truck with a whole set of flags that he's waving, presumably. <laughs> Pretty much. And it, you had mentioned earlier, like, what do you bring on the trip? You know, it's like you bring everything. I mean, everything. You bring extra, an extra motor if you can, an extra couple of motors, tires, wheels, rims, frame. I mean, everything. Because right. you just, the one thing that you don't break is Murphy's Law. You know, you're going you're gonna <laughs> to right. you bring, you know, it's, uh, it's just, it is. And, and a lot of these teams are, are very, very competitive. Uh, you know, Tom Banks out in Pennsylvania, Banks Brothers, wonderful guy, wonderful, wonderful guy, great, great rider. He's a legend in his own right. And he, uh, he rides a, I believe it's a belt drive Harley. And uh, forgive me, I think it's a 1913, I can't remember. But, you know, he, you're going across the country, you know, and, and every state is different that you go through. You might go through one state and it'll be uh, like, hey, come on. We love you. Come on through. And other states are like, what are you doing? And what is this? And why are you writing this? You know, right. he had uh, he had God, where was he? I think he was in Michigan somewhere. And he said that he got he had gotten pulled over by a cop and by a police officer and. And the police officer is like, what is this that you're writing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And, and poor Tom is like, well, sir, this is a 19, you know, so-and-so motorcycle. We're doing this race. You're racing this bike? What are you talking about? You know, I was like, well, well, we start up at, uh, you, know, you know, Mackinac Island in the upper peninsula of Michigan. Mackinac Island? What are you doing up there? I mean, he just, uh, you know, it's like, just get out of here. Just leave. Go, 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 go wherever you're going to go, you know. <laughs> Tom had thought for sure he was going to get his bike stolen, or not stolen, but impounded by the uh, by the police. But they they let him go, and he finished the race. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, those those kind of things are a blast to hear about. But you get all sorts of characters like that, you know. And these teams, they're all they're all wonderful people. They're all out to help each other. It's competitive, of course, but you know, you're, you're not help somebody that needs your help. You know, you're going to get in there and yeah. help somebody. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a community, definitely. Yeah, it really is. You know. Yeah, you know, we when we go, we go across the country, we uh, for the trog, you know, when we do that on the 101, uh, you 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 meet so many uh, wonderful people, really really good people that are 
really into motorcycling and uh, are genuinely good people, you know, and they want to help. And they want to take care of stuff. And we went to, we stopped in at uh, Jerry Greer's in, um, in Deadwood, uh, Indian sure. dealership. Yeah. And they were great. We visited that about two months ago yeah. with Daniel and uh, yeah, Jerry Greer's place. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, just the, the bikes that he's got there and what he's doing. But he then gave us a tour of the warehouse downstairs. Oh, dude, we saw the same thing. It was amazing, right? It was incredible. Oh my god! I mean, just rows and rows of parts that they're that they're remanufacturing, and yeah, what an amazing business! That and I told I told my team, I'm like, keep your hands in your pockets, guys. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody hands in pockets. Everybody, we're walking around like kids, like at a candy store, you know, looking around at everything. I'm like. Oh my gosh, I could use all of these. I could use every one of these pieces right here in this box. <laughs> right. I, and I forget, I, I'm so sorry. I believe his name is Todd, the owner, the current owner. Yes, I think so. Yes, it is. Yes. And uh, just, he was, we, we the, the shop had just closed uh, for the day and Micah came up to the window and Micah had his head in the, you know, his hands and head in the window, knocking on the glass. And, and, yeah. and Todd came, he's like, <sighs> all right, I see him. Or one of the mechanics is like, what do you want? Like, well, we're here for this and we're coming through for town. Uh, and on the way back from New Jersey and uh, they're like ah and they opened the front gate they let us in and it was awesome and they they gave us a tour of the entire shop took an hour of their time and it's at the end of the day and you know people are tired and they want to go home yeah but they were so genuine with us and uh, really really good people and then we ended up buying parts the next week for the bike (laughs) (laughs) of course (laughs) yeah Todd was really he was very gracious to us it was it was great yeah yeah you know, motorcycle racing and vintage bikes and everything else, it, uh, you know, for me, maybe for a lot of people, maybe not, I mean, it makes the world go around, you know, you know, we have our day jobs and everything. And, and of course, yeah. we're, all, we're all into that. And we try our hardest to do whatever we do in our professions. But, but the love for vintage bikes and the love for the community that we, we see. So when we lose somebody like Max, you know, Max will live on forever, you know, in his, in his, you know, his ability to race and, become a legend, you know, and, and, and there's other people like that, like Sam Pierce and, you know, the LA area and, and everybody else, you know, Micah worked for Sam Pierce for, for a while. And, and there are, I don't know how many motors that are out there that have Micah's name on them inside the crankcase. Cause he had actually built those particular motors for Sammy. Uh, and so you just, you look at the community like that and you go, wow, you know, it's, it's amazing to be a part of it. Uh, you know, to learn more than anything, just to learn, you know, because there's so much knowledge out there. Yeah. You know, in this day and age, we're all so caught up in such high tech stuff and we've all got these, you know, smartphones and, you know, and in your post-production world, it's all digital high tech stuff. So it's kind of nice to take a mental break and to go right back to the absolute analog, analog basics where, you know, you've got if you've got a hammer and a screwdriver, you can pretty much fix the bike. I mean, that's not quite true, but, you know. It's sort of, it's an interesting juxtaposition. I, I enjoy it. I like it. I think yeah. that's why I, I like Daniel's Indian so much. And we always have a blast riding those things. We just yeah. absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah, it really, it, it brings back the fundamentals, man. I mean, it really it does. does. It does. My only fear of riding Indians is they essentially have no brakes. <laughs> brakes? <laughs> brakes? Brakes is a very loose expression okay, I don't know what that is man yeah. I, i've often felt like 
I'd probably it'd probably slow down more efficiently if I stuck my feet down. Yeah, trust me, <laughs> I've been there. I've been there, especially if you're too up on that on a bike. Yeah. So, do you do anything for in terms of safety for the cannonball with with the brakes? I mean, oh yeah, just gonna yeah. just live with it for what it is. And yeah, we we uh, will obviously make sure that all the belts and everything else are as as perfect as they can be. And there's technologies today like. Kevlar, things of that nature that allow you to, uh, you know, have better braking power. You're not necessarily uh, changing the component, but changing the the texture of the component that we're using. You know, like the one ones have have outside shoes uh, on the back, so you know, which is susceptible to all sorts of adverse weather conditions, like water. You know, <laughs> so you got to really be careful about that. You know, the fronts are enclosed, but that's still a problem. Uh, right. you, know, you just you you like everything in, in in life you know we you have to be so careful like you know you're a professional rider Arthur you know you've done it for many years you're 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 world renowned for your abilities on a bike thank you but that's not true but I appreciate yeah, it. I, you're a lot better than I am how's that you know I, I mean, don't think so and certainly not riding these bikes <laughs> anyway <laughs> we keep our heads on a swivel all the time I mean we have oh yeah we had a horrible accident uh, last week over on Mohon um what and then we lost the rider you know and 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 it was an accident oh, uh he he uh didn't make it and and oh, unfortunately man. and and so you 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 step back and he was on an antique bike or no he was on a brand new bike a modern bike uh but it doesn't really matter you know like you look at antiques and modern bikes and uh you just you know and again you know i didn't see the accident happen i just saw the aftermath of it and right and, oh man uh, and you just look at it and you go wow how do you how do you take this information that we have on antique bikes and on modern bikes or whatever the vehicle is on two wheels and how do we how do we protect ourselves um you know against and sometimes it's impossible sometimes people pull out in front of you and there's nothing you can do about it and that's the dice you roll and whenever you get on two wheels to ride you know, but it's up to us as riders to have our heads on swivels 100% of the time. Yeah. And even then, it, it, you, you never know. You never know what's going to come out of, of the woodwork. You never know. You. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the antique bikes, you know, you're, you're looking at increased stopping distances. You're looking at less power to get out of trouble. You know, uh, you're looking at everything is, you know, is, is exaggerated on the old bike. I mean, you, yeah. <laughs> you on a modern bike on a, you have a you know, set of Brembo's or whatever, you're going to stop, you know, in, in 20 feet or 30 feet, we're out on a, on a chief, on a 1942 or 48 chief, you're going to stop, you're not in 30 feet, but in 70 feet, you know, so <laughs> right. everything slows down, everything slows down, you know, if you yeah. stop at all, you know, if you stop at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably better to just simply jump off it if it looks like you've got an emergency. Yeah, yeah. trust me, I, I've, yeah, I've been there, you know, on that kind of, <laughs> and, and so you have to really uh, be so careful about it and, 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 and trust the people that you ride with as well. You know, if you're going in groups, I have a tendency to uh, be very, very uh, selective on the, on the crews that I ride with, uh, and I'm sure everybody is, you know, sure. uh, because, you know, uh, not every rider is the same. You know, I'm not saying I'm a great rider. Uh, I'm just different right. from most people, and I have to get used to how people roll their wheels, man, and how they drive and how they ride. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You need a certain amount of comfort with those around you that they're not going to do anything sudden or unpredictable or what have yeah. you. And if they and if they're in a situation where they, they can they get out of that situation, you know, are they are they are they uh, capable of, of avoiding the situation to begin with? And and some writers are have like 
again, Max, you know, Max, he had, he had an ability, like I would see him going on the road at 90 miles an hour. I'd be like, oh, he's got it. He's fine. Whatever. You know, nothing, nothing's going to get him, you know, and other people are like, man, they should really slow down, including me, you know, it, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it is, it is crazy, you know, but it, it's, you gotta be so careful, man. And so, yeah, the bikes are dangerous. They're very dangerous. They're more dangerous than, in a lot of ways, uh, modern bikes, uh, because, you know, again, you're dealing with frames, you're dealing with metallurgy, you're dealing with carbon and metal that could snap, you know, because it, it's going to get weakened after, you know, seven to 80 years, you know, so that's why I say one hour versus 10, because you're going, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I have bikes up on racks now, and I just look at them, just check them out, you know, look at them all, because it's, it's my hand that'll cause the damage to myself if I don't, I don't do yeah. it right. Absolutely. They always check. Yeah. Always, always, always. Yeah, you get to know various welding shops along the route for sure. I yeah, yeah, I have actually. There's a couple of guys out in the valley that I've um, you know yeah. gotten they've gotten used to my my face over the years, you know, coming <laughs> into the frame that's cracked or something. But uh yeah. Uh, how awesome. Okay, well, I wish you luck in the cannonball. I will definitely follow progress. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're we're pretty excited about it and and uh you know, I'm really happy that Micah is going to be in the saddle for it. You know, yeah. he's, uh, yeah, he's going to be great for it. He really is. And yeah. legendary guy riding a legendary bike. You're absolutely right, Arthur. I mean, my, if, if anybody's going to ride that bike, it's going to be, uh, it'd be Micah. You know, he's, he's just, he's a SoCal legend. He's a legend, you know, around in the community, but definitely in the California area. He's, He's a, a legend, you know, and, and has done so much for the community. And, and, and it's just a fucking awesome guy, you know, really good guy. So I'm happy to be on it. You know, just good stuff. Terrific. Well, I wish you the best of luck. And uh, I look forward to seeing the 101 in, in person sometime. You got it, Arthur. I'll be bringing it out in the, in the, in the community here in a couple of weeks after we get, after we go through it, you know, do the metallurgy, <laughs> the carbon, check it, break the motor down, all the things we have to do to it. It breaks. You know? Yeah. If I see you go flying past the rock, rock store at 90 miles an hour, I'll know what you're riding. <laughs> yes, sir, you will. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. For All right. Time. It's been great talking to you, Mark. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. All right.